This podcast is brought to you by the Trillium Awakening Teachers Circle. To find out more about how to grasp the means of your own awakening, visit our website at www.trilliumawakening.org. So welcome. I'm here with Margit Bantowski, my friend and colleague, and I'm really happy we have this time together. I would love to hear about your evolution as a teacher, what prompted you to go into this work, how you relate with students, what, if anything, may have shifted over time as you've done your teaching work and any advice you might offer a newer teacher. But just well, wherever you want to go with any of those things, doesn't have to cover all of them. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to reflect and share. And um, maybe I'll start by revealing my prayer that I do before every session that I have with a student and I take a moment to uh, offer myself and I say may may this exchange may I be of service to the student and then I say may this be may this exchange serve us both mm-hmm. right so I every exchange is an opportunity for transformation I'm in the service of helping um, provide support for a student's awakening process, but every exchange impacts me too. So I invite myself to surrender to the learning that's for me in, in exchange with a student. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, and it's and it's alchemical. It, I, I am not every single time, but many times startled to see that what arises between myself and the student is um, I don't want to say scripted but it's it's synchronistic like some of their edges really reflect some of the edges that I'm experiencing so there might be some freshness there and then also the particular challenge or suffering that their experiencing might remind me of something, oh yeah, that's mine too. And I get a chance to either grieve or celebrate or, you know, claim a little piece of myself through witnessing and honoring them. Mm-hmm. So I find that prayer is really <laughs> a great attitude to begin exchanges with. Yes. Regarding how you know once upon a time (laughs) once upon a time there was this beautiful little german girl that came to america and um was very tender and highly sensitively wired and very curious born in a family where our religion was science Right, so um, our family was fundamentalist scientists. Fundamentalism was you know, science. So I studied engineering and 
um, you know, I had decent grades and my stepfather said, you could do whatever you want, so you might as well do engineering. And I appreciated that he didn't buy into that, you know, the idea that women couldn't do things. He was very pro um, feminine power and opportunity, you know. Mm -hmm. So I did the engineering as a way to serve the planet. I, I studied chemical engineering always with a, in the back of my mind to serve the planet, to do environmental work with it, which I did for 20 years. And in the course of doing that work, I realized that decisions aren't made <laughs> with logic alone. There's a lot of personality, posturing, group dynamics, um, and all that at play. So I got into the group facilitation. I've always sort of been a natural teacher. I was a, you know, um, what is it called? Tutor. I tutored kids in math and science. Um, and I love that. I love the sort of the tutoring and supporting the learning process and how groups work, you know, what happens in a group and facilitating spaces where decisions can be made with better, you know, more clearly. And then I had a lot of challenges personally, interpersonal relationships. So I did a lot of personal therapy, you know, many, many, many years of therapy because partnership was um, it's a very painful area in my life. So then I went to graduate school, decided to go to a distance program in California with Meridian University. Flew to California from Washington once a month for four years to do graduate work. Got my master's, loved it so much, decided to do my doctorate. But just before completing um, my research project, I, I hit the wall. I was working not quite full-time as an environmental engineer for the state of Washington, doing managing this massive statewide project. I was in training for, to be a life coach because I knew that getting certified as a therapist in Washington from a um, school in California that was still in the you know, process of getting accredited was gonna be a nightmare. So I was in a coach's training program that was very intense. And then I was trying to start my own business and coaching and it, I just, and then doing the research, right? Trying to do my graduate studies. And I just hit the wall and that for me was the rot. So um, everything unraveled, just completely unraveled. And luckily I'd met my now husband at the time who said, was also very much on the spiritual path and supported the unraveling. We had a sort of meta view of the unraveling as necessary for personal development as unsettling as it was. And then uh, somehow I was Googling something and came across what then was called Waking Down in Mutuality. And I saw the website and there was something about the green lighting that just was the medicine I needed because I'd always struggled with perfectionism, working really hard, mind over matter, Shackleton's voyage, you know, the endurance was, you know, our family mythology, right? That was you know, the best story ever. And none of that was sustainable anymore. And uh, so when I saw the green lighting, I get to be just as I am without having to, 
do any superhuman contortions um, and to be accepted. There's a whole history of self-hatred that I won't get into right now, but I was home. It was, uh, this is the medicine that I needed but didn't know. And um, The other wave that hit me when I saw the website was, oh, that's what I want to do when I grow up. Because it was a platform not only for awakening, but you could mature in service. You could become a mentor and a teacher. And I said, that's mm. what that's that's what I want to do. So within 15 minutes of finding the website, I, my path was on a silver platter. And, wow. I mean, it was a lot of work, <laughs> but it was illuminated. That's so touching. Yeah. It was um it was a beautiful unfolding process. I found a teacher that was also uh she was a computer programmer and highly sensitive, so she and I fit together pretty well and had a great mentor and I landed in my whole being realization about a year after encountering waking down and kept doing the classes, the advanced classes to become a mentor. And that was, that was a great practice to support students with, um, without giving advice. <laughs> and having an analytical mind and a mind that tends to see big picture and um, puzzle pieces together. My mother said that when I was a little girl, I always would take apart things to see how they worked, you know. Mm. And you know, so engineering gave me the insights to see how, you know, physics and how things work um, on the material level of things. And then so psychology is the internal working, you know, what, how do, how do it work? Does it work inside here? And then the spiritual dimension kind of is the marriage of spirit and matter, you know, bringing it, bringing those worlds together. Um, so with my new work around awakened activism, the way I like to say it is it's applied awakening. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an answer to the question, now what? Okay, I've had my whole being realization. I've integrated quite a bit of my conditioning. I have some energy to offer the world. How do I lean in? And so really what I'm how I'm activated as a teacher now feels like a profound integration of my whole life of doing environmental work, of doing social justice work, which I did with my agency development and anti-oppression training for Department of Ecology. Um, then this psychological work and spiritual work. And so I feel like all of it comes together and I also have an artistic side I used to say am I an artist or an engineer and 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 now there's no conflicts left you know it's just I'm this unique mixture of quirky expression and limits and <laughs> skills and gifts and um, I'm getting more and more comfortable being this one and teaching is just a one of my great joys, I would say. I love doing it. It's not 
the only thing that will satisfy me. I, I need to do other things because there's other parts of me that need to be engaged, but teaching satisfies a big chunk of who I am. It's so beautiful, Marky. It's just so um, auspicious how your path unfolded and you continued integrating each prior phase and now this full flowering, as you just said. And did the awakened activism work just emerge after you had become a teacher, this phrase and this way of connecting? Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. Um, I'm sure the foundation for it was laid well before, but... Right, my whole life has been a foundation yeah. for it, but... Um, I think it was before I became, it may have been before I became an interning teacher. Or maybe I was an interning teacher. I don't quite remember the timing of it, but I, it was over a Christmas, New Year's holiday, and I had some time, some free time, and I really wanted a retreat. And a girlfriend of mine was out of town, and she, I housed at her place. And I just wanted downtime and read books and take naps. And so, I just picked a bunch of books to take with me, just what appealed to me. And then it just turned out that the books I happened to take with me were all about this intersection of, you know, awakened service, you know, Andrew Harvey's book and Joanna Macy's book, um, Act of Hope. And so it just kind of coalesced out of that reading, out of that little period of incubation and then I did a like a living room beta test <laughs> so I invited some of my friends and colleagues to come spend the day with me and I made a pot of soup and I said okay here are the ideas that are uh, coalescing in my imagination I just want to share them with you and you give me feedback and what do you think and so we spent the day with some of the core concepts that kind of emerged for me to to basically trilliumize <laughs> some of these other schools of thought and i and what's missing from those pieces i mean all of them are brilliant beautiful works but i think trillium has a very specific thing it offers and so i articulated that and it went really well and my colleague said, well, okay, number one, this has to be a book. <laughs> and number two, let's get it out there. And so in the fall, I did a six session, seven sessions. So it was every other week where I did modules and taught it. And so it's kind of coalesced through trial and error and working it out. And now I do the online sittings. It's another way for me, like with teaching, I've heard this a lot of teachers find that their teaching gets evoked in response to students' questions. And that also we tend to teach what we need to learn. So the topics come in response to what I've heard people, you know, ask about and that I'm inquiring around. So it's forcing me to articulate this framework even more just by keeping on offering things. Yeah. Well, as a fortunate participant, in those sittings, I just have to express my gratitude and 
respect for how you have interwoven all of this, you know, so skillfully. And it's a joy to take part in these gatherings and really, really appreciate just your courage and daring, you know, to come forth with this. Thank you. Yeah. What else comes to mind? Well, I'm really struck by the word daring that you just said. I feel mm. it in my system. I feel it right now. I'm feel nervous talking to you, knowing that it will be videotaped and other people will watch me, maybe, <laughs> if I'm lucky. <laughs> um, and every time I hold one of the awakened activism sittings, there's a place in me that just shivers. And I do feel out there. <laughs> so it's, there's, for me with teaching, always that, that edge, the leading, bleeding edge of growth or whatever you want to call it, the green edge of growth, where um, that, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to say it right, that Anais Nin quote, the day came where the risk to stay tight in the bud was more painful than daring to open or something like, I'm, I'm not doing it justice, but that tension of, I can't not do the sittings, and yet, um, they really are challenging. It, it really stretches me every time. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be part of the awakening to life process, not just awakening to self, but coming into the world authentically is response, responding to those impulses and finding that edge where the fear and the safety wants to hold me back, but the life force is saying, come dance, come out into the world, come do your thing. And, and really, I don't see how this is possible without community. You know, mm. I've been born as a teacher in my Olympia community. I was a peer member and then became a mentor. And, then, and so it's in the womb of my local community that I've mm. emerged as a teacher. And they're coming, they're going like this, come on, Marguerite, come on, come on out, come on, you know. <laughs> and... Um, I've, I've had to grow up a lot. <laughs> oh, that's very encouraging and welcoming that you were called forth and acknowledged like that. Yes. So I'm imagining that that tension of daring versus safety and what the new edge is, I'm not, I'm not imagining that ever will really go away. I, I do anticipate I'll get more comfortable and more and more confidence over time. But to new teachers, um, I just say, welcome, welcome to the party. <laughs> you know, that. And, and what is 
what is your, you know, your unique way of teaching? Um, th there's no right way. So it's what, what, what the hum is for a particular teacher. And then I'm getting an image of a flower and, you know, and a bee or whatever that fit or vibration. Just trusting that expression will find its students that, that fit. Yes. Yes. And in terms of um, the community in Olympia, was it you who kind of brought the work in? It sounds like you found it when nobody you knew had heard about it and you lived there for years. So tell me about the process of how you um, inspired other people to get involved, you know. It was reluctant on other people's <laughs> part. <laughs> I was part of a, a book group. Um, there were six or seven of us. My husband was one of them. Um, you know, Don Fries, who was a teacher for a while. Joanne Lee, who's now also a teacher. Kirsten Eventier, who is a mentor and will hopefully be a teacher soon. Um, so we were all part of a book group oh. and my husband too, he was part of that. And we were spiritual seekers, so to speak, you know, so we would choose a book, read it, discuss it. Uh, if there was a video, we would watch it and then discuss it. We, you know, found Buddha at the gas pump. We had some other books that we were exploring. And then when I came with uh, Waking Down and Mutuality, there was actually quite a bit of resistance. They're like, we were all starting to kind of burn out a little bit, I think, and being skeptical. And we had just finished reading uh, the, in, what is it, Enlightenment Trilogy, the, um, Jed McKenna oh, yeah. theories. They're highly <laughs> irreverent and, and very penetrating, you know, taking apart the way we see the world. And so the group was like, well, I'm not sure I'm ready for yet another framework, another language. And, but slowly but surely, you know, we brought a teacher down Sylvia from Seattle come, came down and had some sittings and Krishna from Portland would come up and then slowly we got inoculated with the virus and <laughs> resistance is futile. <laughs> well, so initially I did all the organizing, you know, the emails of here's when the next event is and da 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 da. And as our group grew, then, um, started peeling off some of the jobs that I was doing and having other people take some of those roles. So for example, Kirsten started organizing um, weekend workshops, bringing teachers in for the weekend. And 
Um, and, you know, Olympia is one of those places that's one or two degrees of separation. So friends of friend, it, it's a big enough city where there's, you know, a good size net population. I'd say 80 of Olympia, Lacey Tumwater, 80,000 at least. Hmm. So there, it's pretty robust, but then it also, you know, among the more liberal environmental kind of folks that I hang out with or, you know, socially and emotionally aware folks, it's a pretty good crowd here. And so friend of a friend, people show up, another friend of a friend and sort of grew that way. Yeah, so it was like a fortunate confluence between that context and your natural um, capacities as a leader and influencer or inspirer of others. Yeah. And luckily, you know, the the inner circle had quite a few leaders and, and, and you know, like Joanne is a recruiter, Kirsten's a leader. So we have a, a lot of strength just in that mm -hmm. initial core group so, and, a, and a lot of capacity and integrity and and we're all practitioners so we have our students and clients and kind of ripple out from there yeah just like a very auspicious situation and um when you work with students can you tell me a little bit about how you, anything you want to share about how you hmm. relate, how you hold, how you teach, what is, what is your focus, what do you, how does the part of you that you restrained as a mentor, the analytical part, how does it come into play in service and anything along those lines you might share? Hmm. I find that because I have such an intense mind, I do need to um, consciously keep dropping my awareness into the whole field, into the body and um, consciousness. So I call that whole being listening. Mm. And, and so I really practice that when I'm with students so that I'm metabolizing what they're saying on all levels, not just mental, but somatically, emotionally, energetically, subtly. So I try to listen with as much of my dimensionality as, as possible. And I can tell if I get, I, I tend to love ideas and I can see, I can notice when my, my attention starts to contract a little bit and I get excited about a possibility. All right, zoom out. Um, it may or may not serve. I have to be really attuned to when a student is receptive to a concept and they may not be. Um, I am wired and have a predisposition to that's kind of redundant, but I tend to um, thrive on depth. That's who I am, how I am. And so 
it's a gift and a challenge because I, I can attune to sort of deep levels of what's going on with a student. It doesn't mean they're ready to go there, mm-hmm. right? So it's sensing the, what's going on between the lines and very gently maybe asking a question in that direction or reflecting what they've said with a slightly deeper um, component. Um, so there's a, I'm learning the art of reflecting without, you know, trying to be too forceful of my sense of what where they might, might be a helpful direction for them to go. So I, it's this, this thing of leaning in, offering a reflection, and then stepping back out and going to neutral and mm-hmm. noticing what happens. Okay, what's happening now? That mm-hmm. may or may not have landed. Okay, what's here now? Oh, maybe we'll go in a different direction. So, so I've had to really train, not train myself, but just make a habit of coming back to now, neutral in the moment, what's here now, and, and continuing to stay really close to the moment with that student. I've taken focusing levels one through four, and that's a natural tool for me. I came across Eugene Gendlin's work, oh, in the 80s, and have sort of had that flavor of body-centered listening for for a very long time. So it's been great in the last couple of years to refresh those classes through taking them with CL. I find that to be extremely effective with students, um, especially if people tend to be uh, spinning in a story to invite, well, how do you notice that in your body? And then just the alchemy that happens when we relax enough and have enough attention to the body in the moment, then something deeper gets to move forward or mm, towards resolution or integration. So that's a really big part of my work. Um, some students naturally go there, so I don't, I barely have to do anything, but others, I and have to nudge a little and encourage, okay, let's take a breath and come to the body and what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then another thread that seems to be helpful is weaving in awareness of, of consciousness. So supporting students and exploring consciousness, finding out what their way of making contact with consciousness is or sensing or intuiting or recognizing it. And, and weaving that into um, the being with their experience, especially mm-hmm. if there's been a really intense processing, somatic processing. At the end, I often will invite students to soften their awareness and um, open wider so the awareness is closer to the spaciousness of consciousness and resting there so that the nervous system um, can recalibrate and settle into something much bigger that 
can hold the whole. So I do a lot of that. Um, and then finally, the other piece, I think one of my um, colleague, not um, a person in the Olympia community, he's not a direct student. We've had some sessions, but I was working with him in a group once and he, he looked at me, he goes, you're like a bloodhound. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I guess there's a way that I really have a smell for the core, core wound or core condition. Hmm. So I um, find myself kind of really supporting people in their version of the rub when they could just be a simple story but then I invite it to go deeper and say okay what's it like to not have control mm -hmm. let yourself feel it really know it know the truth of that fact deeply so I, I'm pretty conscious and deliberate about working consistently towards the core wound core condition wow. not pushing it right it's 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 shattering. The core condition is shattering to the mind and the ego. And so, and the defense structures. So there's no, I think it's really important not to push. It's so critical not to push. But to make, to slowly help a student grow the capacity to tolerate the irresolvability of the deal of incarnation. Wow, that's so skillful and wise. I really appreciate that, that capacity in you, that focus, that intentionality, yes. And it's magic, I mean, to watch the awakening process happen. It's the most magical and I, I can't I can't think of anything more sacred, you know, more how did I get to be able to do this? You know, it's just such a it is a sacred birthing mysterious thing and yes. doula. It's doula work. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you get to witness magic. Yeah. And healing, you know, seeing people who, when they first come, I've had coaching clients who have no idea about Trillium and then realize they're in the rot and the, you know, sacred disintegration process. And I say, well, you, here's a little something that you might want to learn about. And um, I tend to attract people who've had a lot of trauma. No mystery there. <laughs> <laughs> And just to see the ease that happens once the awakening, it's like, oh, instead of I'm fundamentally not okay, I'm fundamentally okay. There's still pain, but actually it's okay to be here. Mm. That's a revelation to actually be okay to be here. And this one woman who's really going through the awakening process right now, I said, okay, it's, it's, you're all right being here now, right? And she goes, 
yeah, it's not just okay to be here. It's more than okay to be here. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for someone who has been contemplating suicide or get the hell out of here their whole life to finally be able to say, Oh, I can actually be here. It's actually okay. Oh, there's, there's some pleasure to be had. (laughs) It's really gratifying. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I so appreciate the quality of your presence. You know, in addition to the words you've shared, just your your being that shines through them and how you relate with yourself and others and our whole teacher circle and organization, community. It's just very um, magnificent is the word that comes to mind. Yeah, so just really grateful for you among us Marquette I just thank you for those comments and um, I feel profoundly received by you and the teachers and I have tears there's Mm -hmm. the possibility of belonging in a way that I don't know where else that can happen in this way. It's just huge to have this thing that I am, <laughs> quirky thing, that there's a place you know, that my offering, there's a place for the offering and there's a place for the imperfection. I'm deeply grateful, a place for service. Place for the glory of you that is <laughs> all of that. Yes. Well, thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from the Trillium Awakening Teacher Circle. The musical accompaniment is Awaken by Wayne Kington. To learn more about Wayne and his music, visit www.waynejosephkington.com. <laughs>